It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Coming off a great sports weekend, we ask the question, who wants to talk sports? Who wants to talk baseball? We do. Good evening, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, John Riley. We welcome you to bonus coverage of the winter baseball meetings in downtown San Diego. Festivities starting on Monday, running through the end of the week. And we're going to focus solely on this bonus coverage on the winter baseball meetings, baseball free agency, trade rumors, the deals that have already been made, the Hall of Fame, and some other off-the-field items. John, good evening. This is fun. The winter baseball meetings are back in San Diego for a fourth time in the history of baseball. What a huge special event downtown near Seaport Village. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we had the All-Star game here. We've had multiple winter meetings here. This is what makes San Diego America's finest city. You have to walk through the hallways of the Grand Hyatt and all the other adjoining hotels. There are baseball executives and media guys in every corner every pocket talking about the game. This is It is so much fun to be down there and cover it. Now, we have a lot of baseball topics on the table for Padre fans, Dodger fans, Angel fans, Major League fans. John, let's get started. Where do you want to go? You're batting leadoff. Okay, well, I mean, there's a lot of different places to go here, but you know, there's been some discussion about the Hall of Fame and, and what they're doing. Should we go there first? Or? Okay, let's start with that. The Baseball Hall of Fame has formed what's called a new Contemporary Committee. This uh, 16-member group will look at eight candidates who did not make the Hall of Fame while they were eligible on the original ballot. The rule is you're on the ballot for 10 years. You have to get 75% of the votes, John, to get into the Hall of Fame. Once your name comes off the ballot after the 10th year, your name then goes on the Contemporary Era ballot. And that's what this committee is meeting on Sunday night into Monday. And there'll probably be an announcement before the end of the week. There's controversy involved in this is the first time the Contemporary Ballot Committee has ever met. They're going to meet once every three years. The controversy is who's at the top of the ballot. It's the guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Rafael Palmeiro, the guys that were involved in the steroid issues, the Balco lawsuit, the Mitchell report, etc. And what's different about the contemporary committee, the way it's set up, John, is that it's not the Baseball Writers Association of America that will be voting on these guys. This committee is headed up by former Hall of Famers, baseball executives, and a couple of other administrative people, statistic people, media people. What you've got is baseball Hall of Famers who got to Cooperstown cleanly and deserve the honor, and baseball executives who pioneered drug testing and pushed that through with the union. These are the guys that are on this committee. You've got Ryan Sandberg, and you've got Greg Maddox, and you've got Frank Thomas, and they were tremendous players. Heading up the executive part of this baseball committee, Theo Epstein, a legendary mm. Hall of Famer Paul Beeston. These are strong-willed leaders. And then there's a couple of media types and statistical people who will be part of the committee. Uh, eight names on the ballot, led by the three controversial ones that I mentioned, 
Fred McGriff, great slugger, Atlanta, Toronto, San Diego. Legendary Atlanta Braves slugger, Dale Murphy. Kurt Schilling, Red Sox Phillies pitcher, uh, who had a phenomenal career in season as well as postseason. This committee will evaluate these guys. Uh, there's 16 votes. You have to get 12 of 16 votes mm. to get in to the Hall of Fame. So now we sit here and we wait for this debate. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Rafael Palmero did not get in when they were eligible for 10 years. Now you got hardliners who earn their way into the Hall that are going to make the decision on Bonds and Clemens and Palmero. The highest percentage total Bonds and Clemens ever got was 65%. They missed it. You have to get to 75 to get into Cooperstown. Now the question is, can they gather up 12-plus votes from this committee at the winter baseball meetings to go to Cooperstown? I think it's going to be hard because these these are pros. These are pros, pros. These are pros, pros who are clean, who earned their way into Cooperstown, and now you're dealing with the controversy of Bonds and who Clemens was and how Palmero acted. That's the big picture, your reaction. Well, th- this is an g- interesting story because, first of all, I-, I think McGriff and Murphy definitely need to be inducted. They are legit. I mean, Murphy was the the, the core of the Braves, him and Bob Horner back in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, and we love the crime dog when he played here in, in, in San Diego. But talking about the controversial guys, like, Barry Bonds. I mean, there's no doubt the dude was on the juice. But you know what? You go back in history and a lot of these other old timers, they were taking other kinds of boosters and and adrenaline boosters to get them on, you know, going on the field. So I don't know. It seems a little bit like um, the ones that are in get to keep the other guys out. Um, I don't know. I, I would tend to allow those guys to get in, but with an asterisk by telling the full story. Because they were legitimate great players even before they took the steroids. They are they play a big part in the history of the game. I think they're deserving, but with the full disclosure. Interesting take and aspect, and that has been discussed, but the commissioner says we're not putting asterisks on anybody's plaques at the <laughs> Hall of Fame. A sidebar to what you just talked about was there is another raging debate that goes on. I'm sorry to say this, but in Cooperstown, and I've walked through those hallways, and I've been there, and the plaques, and it's phenomenal. But in Cooperstown, we do have known racists who got voted into the Hall of Fame. Mm. We got drunkards. We got womanizers. Now, we don't have cheats to the dimension of Pete Rose, the gambler. And at this point, steroid users from this era have yet to be voted in. You know, Mark McGuire, who had a mystical career— was the first one that came out and said, yes, I did it. I did it because of injuries. And his vote total went down and down and down to the point that he's off the ballot. He's not even in a consideration for this ballot because he, he had such a minuscule percentage point. Um, tough call. Tough call. The baseball purists say no. But the baseball fan says, I love baseball. I follow these guys forever and ever. That's where we are. We'll see what the committee comes up with this week and whether or not there's an announcement by the end of the winter baseball meetings. Yeah, this is going to be fascinating. And so we got this going on in Cooperstown, plus we've got what's happening here in San Diego. Okay, let's start with the Padres. Let's go there. All right, the Padres have a tough question. This has to do with dollars and cents, John. The luxury tax threshold this year is $233 million. We're led to believe the Padres are within 3 to $4 million of the 233 top. 
If they go over 233, it would be the third year in a row that they exceeded the luxury tax and you have to pay penalties. But if you go over this third time, John, you wind up paying 62% tax on anything above 233. Mm-hmm. And you lose international signing money and you lose draft picks. Now, you can reset your club by staying under the luxury tax level this year, which would mean next year you could go back in and go over the top with minimal penalties. But because I've done it three years in a row, or will do it three years in a row if they go over $233 million. it's not so big question. Are they willing to do this and forfeit draft picks and international money to go get the right player? Uh, they don't have a lot of budget space. Uh, they don't have a first baseman. They don't have a left fielder at this point. They have a question mark in center field. They have pitching depth. The only alternative, and this could happen this week, is you make a trade. And they have a lot of interest in Pittsburgh Pirate outfielder Brian Reynolds. I've been told the asking price is either Adrian Morion or Ryan Weathers, the catcher Luis Campusano, and other prospects. Are the Padres willing to trade more young guys away to get this guy. Brian Reynolds' contract is very affordable. $6.7 million this year, probably $9 million next year in his final year of arbitration. Burning question. There's so many needs out there. There's so many players out there. But do they have the wherewithal or the f- change in corporate philosophy to make a a deal of significance. They've been linked to Xander Bogarts, who they've interviewed. They evidently touched bases with Trey Turner, although I think that's that's a reach to think that they could afford a guy that's going to demand $30 million per season. Uh, There are other guys out there that they could probably go after. So my question for you, Padre fan number one, (laughs) do you think Peter Seidler should give A.J. Preller permission to take the credit card and go way over the $233 million deal? Or... Should they just try to get the right mid-level free agent? Or are you willing to trade more blue-chip prospects, what's left in the farm system, to see if you can get Brian Reynolds out of Pittsburgh? It's your turn. So Brian Reynolds would be an intriguing guy to have. Play center field, he hits for power. But that doesn't solve the 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 payroll situation. Um, they still have those huge contracts. And I've been hearing, you know, people talking about, well, maybe they need to trade Tatis or trade at some of these big contracts. I don't know. I can't see that happening. Um, so it seems to me that they can fill in with some mid-tier guys. But my understanding is, is that the Padres talked with Trey Turner twice. They had separate meetings with him. So they seem serious. Maybe they're just going to go all in because these are the years they have Soto. Well, they've got they've got a window. They have a window because of of the young pitching. They have a window because of the older pitching. They don't have much time left on the clock. And then they have the window of Juan Soto for at least two more pennant races. That's a reach, though, because once you shoot through the 233 limit, then you're going to start paying real significant money, and you're losing this other stuff that keeps your organization going. Fascinating to see what they do there. Uh, There's an awful lot of mid-level guys that they could go get. And lost in the conversation, it's like getting Tatis back is like getting a big star off the free agent list. Mm -hmm. You're going to add him to the lineup. We don't know how really good this offense can be because we never saw Tatis with Machado and all these other guys that developed last season. Uh, Tough call. 
Peter Seidler, he's pushed all of his chips to the middle of the table. A.J. Preller, they gave him a blank check and he overspent it. I'll be fascinated to see what they do by Friday. But that's the storyline on the Padres. I think the tough decision they have to make as to how they're going to deal with free agency or do they fix it or add to it by virtue of trades. Next team. Okay, let's uh, let's go up the I-5 to, to Chavez Ravine. These people are $101 million uh, beneath the luxury tax right now. But that's by virtue of all the guys they've not yet signed or re-signed and the guys they've let go. Uh, Clayton Kershaw's not signed yet, though I think he will. Justin Turner has not signed yet. Maybe he will, but it has to be at a reduced price. There is no Cody Bellinger signing. He is gone. Um, they, you know, their big issue is they have needs. They have needs at those positions in center field. They move Mookie Betts to second base. They have they have needs at third base if there is no Justin Turner. Trey Turner's not coming back, so who's your shortstop? Is it Gavin Lux? The thing that helps them even though there's pitching questions now at Dodger Stadium, is they got five young guys coming out of Oklahoma City, and they gave cameo appearances to Ryan Pepio and some of those guys this past year. Uh, they've they've met with Justin Verlander. He gives them what they need, a frontline guy in the rotation. At three years, $40 million per season, they could afford that because it's a short-term contract. So keep that in mind. Uh, they have talked to Carlos Correa, but that's a $30 million investment. If you're going to spend 30 would you rather have it on Correa or would you rather go get Trey Turner to come back? There's been no indication that they and Trey Turner are linked together. They've talked to Xander Bogarts. His price tag is about $24 million. That's a really good ball player that's evidently leaving Fenway Park and the Boston Red Sox. So the one thing that is, makes the Dodgers different than the Padres is the Dodgers have this big chunk of budget space to use. And now the question, how do they use it? Uh, and, you know, from the Dodgers standpoint, have never been afraid to go over the luxury tax threshold. But they also have reset themselves to get below it so they don't have the penalties going forward when the clock starts again. Thoughts on the Dodger blue? Well, I think it's interesting because they, they their strategy is to go f- for those short term contracts. Right. And that gives them the flexibility because every couple of years, you know, big contracts fall off the board. Um it would not surprise me at all to see them go all in for Aaron Judge and all in for Verlander. I think they can do both of them, fit them easily into under the salary cap and still have money to burn. There has been no indication that they've had a face-to-face meeting with Aaron Judge, which kind of surprises me because Judge spent a whole day and an evening in San Francisco with the Giants who've got cap space. Um, obviously, they've met with Verlander. Uh, Judge Judge has been offered upgrades twice by the Yankees already, uh, and I don't think the Yankees are done. Uh, the, the Yankees' last offer supposedly was eight years, $300 million. Now, the rumbling out there that I've gotten from people in the hallways at the winter baseball meetings would be that Yankees might go as high as eight years, $320 million to keep Aaron Judge. Fascinating to see how that story turns out. Third club in Southern California. This is this is a different approach to baseball now. Yeah, the Angels have been really kind of interesting. How they've been getting some puzzle pieces, getting them to fit together, not making the big splash, but the team looks really improved. Uh, they've made strides. I think there's a budget limitation. Artie Moreno is trying to sell the franchise at this point. But they've acquired four players already in the offseason. 
I think there still might be another short rental with a veteran name. Uh, but but they traded for Hunter Renfro, who can play multiple positions. That's a pretty solid major leaguer. If he hits 250 and hits 25 home runs, which he's capable of and has done that in the past, that's a good acquisition. He's, he's still got two years to go on his contract before he becomes a walk-free agent. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that Minnesota traded them. Uh, Gio Urshela, uh, this guy's 275 hitter. 17 to 20 home runs per season. Played well with the Yankees, got traded in Minnesota, played well up there. Now, he solves the shortstop problem they've got there, and the guy's got a bat and a little bit of pop in his bat. Uh, they fired the first shot uh, right the day after the free agent window opened when they signed Tyler Anderson of the Dodgers, who's kind of reinvented himself. Uh, and he's coming off a 15-5 and five season. So he goes into the rotation probably right behind Shohei Otani, and they've still got three or four young pitchers led by Reed Detmers to maybe fill out that rotation. Uh, and then they signed Chris Devensky, who had been a pretty decent setup reliever and even a part-time closer before he had physical problems. He's a former Astro, uh, former Philly, former Arizona Diamondback. They got him on a, uh, almost a cost-free rental. Uh, he seems to be healthy. So Halos are operating a little bit differently, but again, you know, they, they got Otani for the final year. They got Mike Trout on the mega contract. They got Rendon, then they turned around, and they got Renfro. So I, I think there's probably another pitching acquisition coming. I'm not sure what type of pitcher it would be. It'd be a mid-level guy who could be maybe a fourth or fifth starter, maybe a veteran, because once you get beyond Otani and Tyler Anderson, and they got Reed Detmers, who's really young, and they got Sandoval, and they got Suarez, uh, it's still a fairly young pitching staff, so it's it's really interesting there. Before we move to uh, other storylines at the winter baseball meetings, tell all of our viewers on live stream and those that follow us on on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, uh, and and the audio platforms how they can access, how they can subscribe to join us, so they'll get all the alerts every time we do our weekly podcast and then the bonus coverage that we're providing tonight. Yeah, so um, you know, get subscribe. To Hacksaw's YouTube channel, just click on the subscribe button. Get, click on that bell; you'll get alerts. Especially when we get together on these little Sunday uh, broadcasts, these are kind of fun, so you can get in the loop, be part of it. Um, at the same time, you can subscribe to all of the audio-only podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know, wherever you get your audio-only. Um, subscribe there to Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, and of course, follow Lee on on Twitter, on Facebook, and uh, check out his website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. And we will have unbelievable coverage from the winter baseball meetings from the hallways there at the Grand Hyatt every day. So check my website because that is all written up-to-date material. Okay, let's talk about the names that are out there as the winter baseball meetings kick into high gear Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, it's just some amazing names out there. Uh, they've been, they, like you say, they're being kicked around, but who's going to sign first? What do you think is going to happen? Usually the super agents like to drag this out um, but there's limited number of clubs that could afford an Aaron Judge, could afford a Trey Turner. If you, if you look at the top free agents, obviously Judge is at the top of the list, and they're talking that that's going to be a $40 million a year contract. There's a very limited number of clubs that could afford that in their budget. Uh, I, I still tend to think that Brian Cashman has to get him re-signed to keep the Yankees' infrastructure in place. Um, where Trey Turner goes remains to be seen. 
Uh, all kinds of uh, rumors that Philadelphia is going to make a run at him. Philadelphia was going to make a run at Xander Bogarts, who's also out there. Uh, I, I think Turner is going to wind up probably getting 30 to $34 million. I think Bogert's price tag is, is I'm not going to say it's dropped, but it's a little bit below Turner's. It's probably at $24 million. I don't know what to think about Carlos Correa. He really liked it in Minnesota. They've, they've upgraded their offer to him twice. But does he want to leave that place? Does he want to go somewhere else? Uh, remains to be, be seen. His price tag is probably in the 24 to $27 million a year deal. Uh, nobody's talking about Dansby Swanson. Uh, you know, he, he was drafted very high by Arizona, traded at a very young age to Atlanta, grew in to become a star with the Atlanta Braves. They still want him. He's shopping himself around. His price tag is probably about $20 million, which would make him fourth of the four-star shortstops uh, that are out there. So th- those are names there. There's a second tier of interesting guys. Bellinger is out there. His agent has indicated that Cody Bellinger has been contacted by at least 12 teams. Uh, You've got uh, Andrew Benatendi, uh, the ex-Red Sox, Yankee, and Kansas City outfielder. He's there. He had a good season, got finally healthy. Uh, Wild name out there is Will Myers. Now, he's not going to knock down a big amount of money. He's going to probably go somewhere and play less from what he got in San Diego. And then there's the catcher. Uh, Will Contreras of the Chicago Cubs, who can play multiple positions and has obviously got some some power. So those are the marquee guys. Um, Like I say, at the top of that board, that list that we put together there in the orange banner, uh, there are very few clubs that can afford 30 and $40 million guys. So I, I don't think that their dollar figure impacts the rest of free agency. But the guys, the guys that are in the in the twenty five million dollar range and down, that's where you're going to see a lot of play and a lot of negotiating, bartering, and I'm looking here and let me talk to them, etc. Going to be fun. There's about a hundred forty five free agents led by Aaron Judge that that are on the board right now. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, isn't it amazing the numbers that are being thrown around? I mean, it used to be that forty million was the entire payroll of any uh, like of the Oakland A's or some mm-hmm. of the low payroll teams. Um, I, I think this is fabulous. I, you know, the funny thing with the Bellinger comment you made, supposedly his agent says he's had twelve offers, but that's just Boris, isn't it? Just sort of jacking up the market, trying to create maybe some phantom demand for the guy, but. Um, I, you know, I look at those names, and I, I read earlier today that Ben Attendi was maybe talking to the Astros. Mm-hmm. That was a potential move for him. So this is this is the fun part of the offseason when all of these players switch around. Other sports don't have this amount of dynamism in the offseason. And this, to me, as a baseball fan, is thrilling. And it's great that the Padres can play a role here. You know, are they going to go for one of those big names? I don't know, but they've surprised us in the past. Okay, from the everyday players are on the list, let's look at the pitchers who are on the list right now. And obviously you got big names and you got big contracts coming. Uh, Justin Verlander evidently is leaving Houston. Uh, I was led to believe that they told him they would offer him a two-year deal, maybe close to $40 million. But maybe it was one year plus an option because those talks just kind of died. Uh, this guy at age 39, he's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's, he's fully recovered from the elbow surgery of a couple of years ago. Won the Cy Young Award 
Wouldn't you like to have him at the front end of your rotation? I I just tend to think, and going back to my original statement, there's not a lot of clubs that can afford a $40 million guy. I got to believe Verlander is going to wind up maybe a Dodger Stadium on a very short-term contract, and that would please both sides because he'd, he'd go pitch for a really good organization and a really good ballpark. Well, a pretty good batting order that's still, still mm-hmm. intact. So I think Verlander's there. There's a drop-off with the second and third and fourth guys. Carlos Rodon is getting a lot of play from a lot of people because the ex-White Sox number one pick bounced back from surgery, pitched for San Francisco last year. I thought pitched pretty well. Rodon's getting a lot of play probably because of the cost factor. If you're looking for a front-end starter, he's a workhorse, throws a lot of innings. Um, you can afford him for $20 million if that's the price, 20 to 25 max. That's what I was told by, by one agent. So I, Rodon is, is getting a lot of play. Dodgers have been in on him, too. Now, I don't think the Dodgers would sign both he and Verlander, but he might be the, the fallback if they can't get Verlander done. So keep an eye on that. Kodai Senga's numbers are pretty high. And at one point, I thought the Padres really had a chance at the Japanese right-hander from SoftBank Hawks. But the price tag, I've been told, is is like five years, $75 million. And at that point, that's pretty steep, 15 to $20 million for him at age 30. Might be a little too pricey uh, for the Padres, but Seattle's out there. The Cubs have got money to play. And the the intangible part about dealing with uh, Kodai Senga is the fact that they got Japanese players on those teams, just like the Padres did. Mm-hmm. And Seattle's got a great legacy with Ichiru Suzuki, and, and the great legendary star who's now retired and back in Japan. And the Cubs last year signed the big Japanese hitter, Suzuki, Seiya Suzuki. He's there, and he's friends with Senga. Um, going to be fun to see where the Japanese pitcher goes. I don't think it's going to be San Diego only because the dollars are so big. But he's probably the third guy uh, to keep an eye. It's going to come off the board. Uh, and then the, the mystery guy to me is Chris Bassett. You know, he had come up with the Oakland Athletics, pitched really well a year ago and wound up getting traded and went to the uh, New York Mets. Um, this this guy's proven himself. He's asking for a four-year deal, probably in the vicinity of $20 million. Uh, he's durable. He's huge. Uh, he's, he's still very much a young arm. So he's probably going to be signed, too. So, you know, just off the top of my head, those are the hot names uh, in Major League Pitching. Uh, uh, interesting name out of the bullpen that nobody's talked about is Kenley Jansen, ex-Dodger. He had a really good season with the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. Now, he's got 100,000 miles on him and his body, but that would be maybe that'd be a one-year rental plus an option, and somebody's looking for a, a, a legitimate closer, maybe him. So those are the marquee names in pitchers. What do you do on the mound? Well, I mean, there, there's a lot of different ways to go here. So as far as Verlander, I agree. I think the Dodgers make sense. They like short-term contracts. Verlander only has two or three years left in him. Um, the Mets, though, need to re- replace DeGrom. And so I've been told they're looking at Rodon. You know, Verlander would be a really good fit there as well. I mean, Scherzer's making over $40 million a year already, so they're prepared to do it. But some of those other names are interesting. Kodai Senga. I get your your perspective about the Padres. Maybe they don't have enough money, but isn't it interesting how not only are Japanese players coming into the Major League Baseball, but a lot of Americans that played in Japan 
are coming back to America. You know, like Pierce Johnson, who really resurrected his career. And of course, uh, Suarez from Venezuela and Mexico. And Nick Martinez. And Nick Martinez. You know, so it's it's neat to me to see the, the fluidity between the two leagues and kind of getting them closer to being on par. And it really sets up the World Baseball Classic to be an exciting event. Um, but yeah, some of the other pitchers on the list, Chris Bassett, I've heard rumors that maybe he would be a fit in, in the for the Padres because A, he's more affordable and B, he you know pitched under Bob Melvin in Oakland. Anything is possible when you try to connect the dots, but more times than not, Sean, these deals get made because of the dollars. Just quote, follow the money. That's <laughs> where we are. Now, you, you mentioned the, the signing of Jacob deGrom. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, the guys that have already committed to move to different teams. And we've had uh, some free agent signings. I was stunned on Friday night uh, when the, the word leaked out to Grom to Texas. Uh, but five-year contract, mega money. Um, this guy is not quite right now what he was prior at his peak with the New York Mets, the health issue there. Although he did pitch pretty well at the back end of the season uh, at City Field. But to go to Texas, he just signed for the money. Texas has no pitching really to speak of outside of Martin Perez, who they've they offered the qualifying offer to. Uh, Texas is it's a tough place to pitch. I mean, the heat in the summer is just it's just brutal in Texas. Uh, now, a year ago this week, they invested a ton of money to to go get Corey Seager, and they they were as active as anybody uh, in the free agent market, loading the lineup, but. It all fell on its face, and they had no pitching at all, and some of the guys didn't have good first halves of the season. So interesting to see um, how Chris Young, maybe he's got the open checkbook, the former Padre who's now the general manager, and since John Daniels has been removed uh, from the baseball operations, ownership has given Chris Young a blank check, go get it done. So they did get DeGrom. Uh, You know, in terms of the other signings, um, Mike Clevenger. So he went from $5 million a year in San Diego the two-year deal they gave him as he was recovering from all these surgeries, has a knee problem. Um, he goes to the White Sox on a one-year deal worth $12 million. He has $7 million pay raise to go 5-5 five and five with a high ERA while he was recovering from the knee issues. Uh, I, I'm, I find that absurd, that amount of money for a guy that's got this history of he's got three, three surgeries now. But that being said, please understand that he was 41 and 26 before he got hurt. And we saw in San Diego, there were flashes of starts where you say, that's the guy I remember with the Cleveland Indians. So I guess the White Sox are taking a bit of a gamble. But what they're doing, I think, John, is they're taking some of the money they gave to their former first baseman, Jose Abreu, who went to the Astros, taking some of that money and redirecting it to Mike Clevenger. And I think you made the comment on one of our podcasts weeks ago that you still think there's some good Mike Clevenger in Mike Clevenger. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll find out at, at Comiskey Park. But I was just I was kind of floored at the $12 million deal on a one-year contract with him. Uh, Philadelphia loses Zach Eflin. He goes to Tampa Bay. Uh, the Rays kind of step out of the blueprint of how they operate their franchise, and they give Eflin a three-year contract worth over $40 million. He did not want to be a relief pitcher. He wants back into the rotation. So he's going to be at the probably one of the front guys uh, in that Tampa Bay Rays rotation. Um, you know, there were a couple of other pitchers that signed Miguel Castro uh, was kind of off the radar, 
but he had an ERA under two pitching out of the Yankee bullpen. He pitched pretty well for New York, and he signed with Arizona. And then Kyle Gibson, I don't quite understand the Orioles doing this when there's so many other guys out there that have had better track records than Kyle Gibson, but Baltimore signs him. Uh, I thought that Baltimore was going to go after Noah Syndergaard, the former New York Met, finished up with Philadelphia, but did not happen. But uh, the DeGrom signing, I think, caught a lot of people by surprise, A, the dollar value because of his injury issue, and then B, where he wound up. But maybe this was the best deal and he wanted to move him. Maybe it's got something to do with a relationship with Chris Young. Maybe it's got something to do with the new manager, Bruce Bochy. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think is going on. Because when Bochy signed in Texas, we were all like, Texas, Arlington? What, what's Bochy going there? Why is he coming out of retirement to go to a middling team in the AL West? And then it must have been, they must have presented to him a game plan says, we're going to go out and spend money. We're going to go out and get DeGrom. We're going to go sign some other marquee names. And then Boach is probably thinking, okay, there's something here. Um, the, my understanding with the DeGrom contract is there's a lot of caveats in there that if he has arm trouble, if he has other injuries, those dollar figures come down pretty substantially. Um, Zach Eflin's an interesting one because he's the former first-round draft pick of the San Diego Padres. I think he was in the the Matt Kemp trade in uh, Yasmani Grandal when they went up to L.A. Um, so, you know, you give away some to get some, but it's interesting to see names come full cycle. And then the Clevenger deal, yeah, I agree. There's, there's, he's still, there's something in there. there he's still got it. He just, got it. he just has to get through the injuries and perform. But the money is just silly, and they're getting it. So if they're getting that kind of money, that means they're obviously worth it. But it just shows you the amount of revenue that is flowing through this sport is unbelievable. Now, the other story about the winter baseball meetings, John, as we go to our final segment, involves trades. There will be deals. There will be deals of young prospects. There will be deals that I can't sign this guy a year from now. There will be deals of this guy's going to be arbitration eligible. I'm not going to pay that kind of money when he becomes an arbitration guy, so I will trade him. So as as all of our attention in the hallways, the Grand Hyatt is going to be strictly about free agents and who goes where. Keep in mind, there will be some significant deals. And of course, we had trades. Uh, I, I like the Angels acquisition of Hunter Renfro. I think that's a that's a two-year rental. A guy that's pretty productive and just grinds and wants to play every day. And I I think that's, that's a nice pickup along the way. Uh, a name that has not been mentioned, I think he's rock solid. He's not a star, but Kevin Newman from our backyard here, mm-hmm. who was a, played very well in a very bad situation in Pittsburgh, and he got a little bit of hurt a year ago. Kevin Newman from the, was traded from the Pirates to Cincinnati. He's going to get a chance to play every day and be their shortstop, and if he hits 275 with a little bit of pop and plays okay defensively in the Queen City, I think the Reds got themselves a good player because I think Kevin Newman is just kind of throwback, pros pro, old, mm-hmm. old dog style of baseball, but I, I think he's a pretty good player. Um, it was a really unique trade from Seattle. The Mariners just keep making all these deals. Uh, the, the Mariners traded Kyle Lewis, who was a former number one draft pick, and he went to Arizona in a, in a significant deal. My my hot young guy for your hot young guy. The only glitch is Lewis has not arrived yet to be an established major leaguer, so Arizona thinks they can get something out of him. And in addition to Seattle making that deal, Seattle traded for Tio Hernandez of the Toronto Blue Jays who really hit well. 
and can play multiple of positions. So they're just exchanging some pieces along the way. And then Colton Wong, the Milwaukee second baseman, former Cardinal, he goes to Seattle too in a trade. So there's no blockbuster, blockbuster 12-player trades like A.J. Preller made the first year he was here. But we've got some deals to help clubs. And there'll probably be some some interesting deals in the next three to four nights there at the winter meetings. Yeah, the, the Kevin Newman one is interesting to me because, yeah, Poway High product. He was a two-time batting champion um, in the Cape Cod League when he played at University of Arizona. Uh, he was a great kid, great family. And it seems like his situation changed in Pittsburgh because of O'Neill Cruz. And he was this dominant young guy that is playing shortstop, is my understanding. And so... Yeah, a change of scenery. Good for him. It's a small ballpark. Hopefully, he can you know show some power. But yeah, we're we're always looking forward to those big trades. Remember, like the trade that the Padres made to to go get um, Ken Caminiti, that big eleven player deal with the Astros. Th- those always kind of light it up, and those make it fun. Uh, but you know, the the GMs are together in San Diego. And anything can happen over a cup of coffee or an adult beverage. You never know. Final statement. The the winter meetings are so cool because you're kind of on the clock. And when you go there, and I've told other media members this, you're there for 12 hours. You sit in this massive media workroom, and they got all the TVs on. And every all the networks are doing ESPN and MLB Network are, are obviously doing shows from there. And then PR guy comes down and says, we're going to have a press conference. We're going to have a meeting with. Andrew Friedman of the Dodgers, or A.J. Preller, mm-hmm. or the new GM, Manassian of the Angels, in, in 15 minutes. So then all of a sudden, those of us that are involved covering those teams, we get paraded up to their suite. A.J. sits there at a table. Uh, Friedman answers your questions. The Angel general manager does the same. It just never ends. And then sometimes there are press conferences uh, with a player agent. Scott Boros will have a, a separate press conference out in the hallway. Um, and then sometimes they bring free agents in who are signing their contracts at the winter baseball meetings, and they'll put them up on the podium. It's just if you're a baseball junkie, you'd like it. <laughs> it's a good you'd place to really, hang out. You'd really like it. Uh, so uh, this is this is going to be an interesting couple of days, especially with the marquee free agents at the top. John, for everybody well, that enjoys our podcast. Well, Lee, Lee, we, we got some fans forum comments. Can okay. we get a few of them in? Is that all right? Fire away fans uh, forum. Okay, here we go. Uh, Dave E.K. said, it would be a shame if they pull this scam to get cheaters, especially Bonds and Clemens, into the hall. Totally the wrong message to send to the kids. I, I tend to agree with you and go back to the original statement I made at the start of the segment. The baseball writers aren't voting on the contemporary committee. These are Hall of Famers who lead up the committee and baseball executives who lead up the committee. This group, this leadership that will vote, they're all hardliners anti-steroid guys. I don't think that these guys have an opportunity, Bonds and Clemens, to get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be tough for them to make it. I, I, don't, I don't see it happening. But let's go down the list here. And Dave E.K. has a couple more comments that are all good ones. Dodgers can't possibly hope to be a World Series contenders with Urias and Gonsolin and Dustin May leading their pitching staff. Well, you know, you're, you're downgrading Urias. He's got 30-plus wins the last two years. I mean, that that guy's an ace. Gonsolin has picked up a pitch along the way. It's made him kind of a warrior. Dustin May was pretty dominant before he got hurt. When pitched, he's totally healthy now. Uh, and I really believe that they are going to get 
uh, Kershaw signed to a, another one-year extension. And I think you need to keep in mind, you have to do some investigation. You look at what's at Oklahoma City and how their young pitchers, led by Ryan Pepio, dominated in the Coast League. And the, the PCL, John, is an impossible place to pitch. You know, your hot prospect goes down there, he's got an ERA of 5.95. And he's getting shelled, but that's because of the ballpark and the altitude and all that. And yet Pepio and these other guys pitched really well. I went back and looked. They've got five young arms. A couple of them had cups of coffee and made cameo appearances this past season. I think they're all going to be in spring trading fighting for parts of the rotation. So I, I think the Dodgers, once they decide if it's Verlander, or if it's somebody else, I think you're it might be Rodon. I think the Dodgers pitching staff will be set in cement. Yeah, I, it's going to be exciting to see what happens up there. But you think that they're getting all those dollars organized to fill spots in in their batting order. But yeah, they've got to make some moves at the top of the pitching rotation. I agree with you. I think Verlander is going to L.A. And it's $101 million total that they've got, so they can spread that to a wide variety of guys. And they could also bring back Justin Turner, who, you know, a lot of people forget, and, and he's an old dog. I agree with you there. He had a horrific start. But from June 1st on, he hit 315. And he played like Justin Turner normally plays. So I still think there's a little gas left in the tank. Okay, we got a few more here um, from Dave lighting up the uh, the live stream. Uh, they'll need the budget room to pay Urias in one or two years to think about. And he finished third in the Cy Young this year. Exactly. And I think if you add into the equation, you got guys who probably won't be back. I mean, Kershaw's money probably after this coming season goes away, goes off the books. And there may be some other guys that they're not going to keep. And understand this, because of the revenue streams that baseball has created, the luxury tax is going up. It's a, it's going to be at two thirty three this year. It goes to two forty, and then it goes to two fifty three. I think wow. in the third year of the collective bargaining agreement. Mm-hmm. So there will be more money to spend on players and free agents as you go forward. Wow, I mean, it's a great time to be an athlete, a professional athlete these days. Hey, this is the final one here on the on the fans forum. Davey K says, just came through on MLB trade rumors. McGriff is elected to the Hall of Fame, and the cheaters lose. Well. The crime dog was a great player, and he was a great citizen, and I think that's huge. It's an intangible thing, uh, and I think the old-timers used the word integrity, and I think those guys, the Ryan Sandbergs of the world, who were leading this, always spoke about the integrity of the game. So Fred McGriff, that's, that's tremendous for him. He was, he was pretty close to getting there, and he was not a great persona. He was very quiet as an individual in the Padre Clubhouse, and and he just was a professional. He went about doing his business, and look at what what he wound up with four hundred fifty nine home runs. I think it was phenomenal statistic, mm-hmm. but just rock solid forever and ever. So that's that's a great story there, John. For everybody that enjoys our Thursday podcast, uh, tell them how they can uh, subscribe so they'll get the, the alerts for what we do weekly what we do with the special segments that we make available during the week, and then what we do when we have our bonus shows like this one. Well, I mean, one of the ways you can do it is just to follow Hacksaw on Twitter at, at Hacksaw1090, because Lee's always posting um, when we're going to be getting together for podcasts. All of our um, episodes are posted there on Twitter and Facebook. So follow on social media. Go to YouTube, subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get it. 
you can subscribe to Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and you'll get on board and, and be part of the group and, and have some fun with us. And we invite you also, want you to text, tweet, email all your friends who are baseball fans or sports fans and just tell them our, about our podcast that we do every Thursday and invite them to join us. And check my website. It's all written. Uh, we're right tonight. We'll post overnight, and you'll have it first thing in the morning. All the stories from the winter baseball meetings, plus what's going on in the NFL, what's happened with the bowl game selection committee, the NBA, the NHL, and, of course, the World Cup in soccer. That's LeeHacksawHamilton.com. And alert your friends to our website, too. Hey, thanks for being part of our bonus coverage as we start the coverage of the winter baseball meetings. John and I will be back with you again Thursday. Hope you had a great sports weekend. Bye-bye. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.